Zawate. This is Stella, and you're listening to another Batgirl to Oracle Halloween commentary special. Everyone hail to the 
This episode is brought to you by Darkness to Light and specifically episode 13, which will serve as a nice companion piece to this particular episode. When you think of podcasts about religion, you probably think of this. But at least one religion podcast sounds more like this. I kick ass for the Lord! Darkness to Light is a relatively geeky production in which Alan and Emily discuss topics of faith, religion, and spirituality. But we do so through the lens of pop culture, like movies, TV, and comic books, because we're nerds. Our primary focus will be on Christianity, because that's what we know best. But all religious content is on the table. Well, think about it, Scully, from vampirism to Catholicism. This is an occasional cast, to be recorded and released as the mood strikes, with topics ranging from in-depth reviews to personal rants about some small aspect of theology or church history, because we're theological nerds. If these topics interest you, check out Dorkness to Light. .blogspot.com for our more regular content. Or darknesstolight.tumblr.com for our more irregular content. Memes and puns, mostly. My bad. Darkness to Light. Often irreverent, rarely sacrilegious. Backworld the Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Backworld Oracle is a proud member of the Batman Universe family of podcasts. Hashtag TBU family. Support the Batman Universe and subscribe to the show on Patreon by going to thebatmanuniverse.net. I am so excited to introduce this next person. Never been on my show. Someone that I am amazed at always listening to just a wealth of information really wise and intelligent had wonderful things to say and insight into Watchmen which I know everyone mentions but uh, I also really love the Kingdom Come episode so one of the reasons why I wanted to ask this person on it's kind of a long intro here was because I heard rumblings that she liked Constantine but another reason why I wanted to invite her on is because I feel like she might be pretty lonely. Her dad's been incarcerated for a little while now in Sing Sing. And so I wanted to sort of reach out and, and be pals with her. But this is finally, I, I can't believe this is the first time we're talking, but I'm so happy to introduce Emily Middleton, a.k.a. as I call her, EM Squared, to Backroll Oracle. Welcome! Hello, Stealthell! <laughs> <Stel. laughs> oh, it's, it is great to be here now as the head of the podcasting empire since my father is uh sadly uh detained uh yeah i rule this place now it's all mine i had (laughs) hoped me and my uh pirate story analysis we rule the network now now i had hoped that i know your father has this affinity for dr doom but i had hoped that maybe you were on the light side but i'm i'm getting a sense that maybe you too follow that darkness 
Well, I mean, that's where all the interesting uh, <laughs> characters are and complex morals and, uh, you know, douchebaggery. Yes, which, you know, we kind of get in this particular film that we're actually going to be talking about. Oh, my goodness. Well, how, why has it taken us this long to actually chat? Oh, goodness. I have, <laughs> I have no idea. It's uh, especially now if you and I as sort of colleagues mm-hmm. now in, in the literary podcasting yeah. subworld that is sort of slowly being mm-hmm. carved out between required reading and some of the stuff that I've recently been doing, Regarde mm-hmm. Watchmen, Kingdom Come, and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, oh, just life, yeah. timing. It's, it's been far too long Absolutely. in the making. Yeah, I always love to do Halloween commentaries, and I had seen this film that we're going to do. It's going to be Justice League Dark, and I really enjoyed it, and I thought, I think I'm going to do this. And then as listening, as I was listening to The Watchmen, I think you had mentioned John Constantine and how much you really enjoyed him. I think maybe you were comparing him to Rorschach or something something like that. I don't remember the direct thing. That's something, yeah, probably. Yeah, and so I thought, oh, that'll be a perfect person to do this commentary with. So I'm so excited to, to watch this film with you and talk about it. Absolutely. I have I have many, many, many thoughts about John Constantine in general, the dark DC universe, this particular team up. So this this is going to be exciting. Have you, I assume you watched the, the short-lived live-action TV series? I absolutely did. I was one of the approximately 85 people who did so. Um, I was, yeah, I was right there with you. Did you really love it or were you very sad and, and disappointed that it did not get picked up again? Uh, both. Yes, I very much enjoyed uh, everything that they drew on in order to make that version of the character and that version of the DC universe. Uh, it ha- featured a lot of the weirdness of DC comics that doesn't get addressed very often, either in the comic books themselves or in the properties that get picked up for television. Uh, so unfortunately, you're not going to get, well, I suppose they did sort of do an a Dr. Alchemy-ish Thing on the Flash, but just mm-hmm. some of the truly bizarre villains of the DC universe aren't going to show up on the mainstream TV shows. And I just I, I like delving into the religious and mystical and bizarre just minutia of the DC mm-hmm. universe. I thought that Matt Ryan was fantastic and charismatic and terrible as John Constantine should be. <laughs> And I, I very, very much enjoyed it. Um, I've been able to sort of get my fix here and there. He's going to be on CW Seed reprising the role of John Constantine. He showed up on an episode here or there of other television shows. Um, but I I miss him. I miss him a lot. It was it, uh, Matt Ryan's version of the character was my first, like, deep fandom relationship with Constantine, I was vaguely aware of him because I'd started reading a bunch of Vertigo books a couple of years ago, and I was really into Swamp Thing. And so Swamp Thing, Alan Moore, John Constantine, sort of in that little trajectory, I got very interested. And then shortly thereafter, oh, he's going to be in live action. Great. Perfect. And he's gone. Do you feel like this subgenre, I guess, of superhero comics is not as approachable for readers, that it's only catering to maybe a specific crowd, and that's why we don't see as many characters from these comics and stories pop up in either 
live action TV or live action film? I think so. And uh, my dad and I have talked about this on Darkness to Light a couple of times, talking about characters like the Spectre, that the DC Universe cosmology is very, very weird. And a lot of times, either the the fandom themselves who are consuming the media and also on the production side, people tend to want to make a unified, simplified cosmology that you can say – you know, very much the way that the MCU did. Oh, everything is science. Everything is energy. Here's how all of these things can exist simultaneously. Whereas the DC Universe, it's much more like a gumbo. Just throw a bunch of stuff together and just let it go and, and don't question it. And mm-hmm. I think uh, that just requires a different degree of suspension of disbelief or a different kind of suspension of disbelief than capes and tights superhero media does. So I feel like a lot of people who enjoy things like Constantine or even maybe Lucifer, uh, things things like that, these sort of weirder uh, subgenres of superhero, quote unquote, media. I think they're people who aren't really drawn from the same stock. That it's you know, as my dad would say, from like a marketing standpoint, you're dealing with a completely different market in a lot of ways. I will say, and I'd like to get your uh, origin story as well, that when I was young, I remember seeing the live-action version of Swamp Thing. And actually had like a little glow-in-the-dark figure, and I think he had like a little playset and um, sort of motorcycle thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could <laughs> well, this was, dig him up, actually. <laughs> this this was what what year? Of, like, I guess 90, like the 90s. 94, yeah. of course, he came yeah, with a motorcycle. Yeah, of course it did, yeah. Everybody rode motorcycles in the 90s. Absolutely, yeah. So that was, I think, my first taste, and I don't, I don't know if that I knew really what I was watching. I have yet to read the Alan Moore Swamp thing, though it is on my wish list because you speak so highly of it so i put it, it on my wish list so highly, i'm trusting you highly um, recommended okay i'm trusting you on this i think but it's, all the I believe it's <laughs> 20 through 50 something like that is all one complete story the okay. reestablishing of swamp thing the introduction of constantine and essentially the first iteration of the justice league dark okay. with zatanna zatara constantine several other mystical characters who haven't had the same staying power and of course swamp thing mm-hmm. phantom stranger all sorts of stuff. That's great. Yeah. So maybe I'll get more of a sense of who these people are because otherwise my knowledge is coming from the cartoons and mm. watching Justice League or Batman Brave and the Bold and, and just mm. getting little pieces of them here and there. So I, I feel like you, you're bringing the knowledge base. So what's your origin story with uh, any of these characters or if you want to focus on Constantine since he seems to be your beloved, uh, you can always do that too. I just he is he is such a terrible person and at the same time <laughs> such a compelling character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he very very much an eighties true antihero in his original incarnation. That uh, it, it, it's something of a trope in the television show and in the rest of continuity and a lot of the comics that you don't want to stand that close to John Constantine. He is almost like spiritual nuclear waste that he just Mm. radiates terrible things and he always makes it through relatively unscathed but it's the people around him who just constantly suffer um partially through his own actions partially through their actions and partially just through the universe putting a big old double bird to john constantine at pretty much every (laughs) single uh opportunity Mm -hmm. 
I just I find him be very compelling in that way that there is this sort of dark, cynical charisma that you sort of understand why all of these people are done to him, even though nothing, nothing good ever comes from it. I really love their dark characters as well, just because it sort of goes in line with my interest uh, of sort of weird, mystical, spiritual, magical things existing in in media and in pop culture. Uh, I just, I find superstition really interesting. So a lot of the uh, bits and pieces of different either folk practices or different religions that get picked up here and there and incorporated into the Constantine mythos or the, the dark workings of the, uh, the Justice League dark in general. I just find it constantly interesting. A thing I loved about the TV show was how much it drew on the Kabbalah and mm. Jewish mysticism, which is just a thing that I find super duper cool. I mean, that's that's basically what it comes down to. Is it that it, it's cool mm. in a in a very sixteen year old punk, you know, going out to shows and wearing a pentacle sort of way. It's just, it's just cool. Yeah, and what I like about uh, these particular characters coming up to make this Justice League is that looking at them individually and together, you feel like there's no way these people would get along. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which we'll see there uh, as we're watching, but there are also like interesting moments where there are some fun bonding times and mm-hmm. um, shipping. I kind of oh, think oh. and John Constantine. Oh, we're um, prepared for the shipping. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm super excited about that. Even though I do also ship Zatanna and Batman, depending on the canon that we're looking at. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, Certainly. the way you describe Constantine is sort of how I view Negan on The Walking Dead. I don't know if yeah, you watch that, I, but just like he's a terrible it, human being. Aware, but you're, yeah, you're but so he's so charismatic. Yes, and very interesting. It's just so compelling to watch him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, final question before I intro the show and give a little taste and also say who is starring as whom because Matt Ryan actually does yes. come back to play John Constantine, which is great. And we've got some return people from the DC Universe animated uh universe i guess dc animated universe the i wondered yeah (laughs) yes all these weird like the nomenclature that they have going on is crazy uh what do you think overall i always like to ask this about halloween halloween films i guess this kind of goes into your um your like the mysticism that you're getting into and and enjoying sort of the spiritual aspect and things like that but do you have any favorite halloween films or what do you feel about the halloween atmosphere as we're getting closer hilariously enough i never cared about halloween my my entire life and i in in an episode of darkness to light not to continually pimp out my sideshow that (laughs) i very much enjoy doing Uh, My dad and I talked about Halloween and sort of what it is, and it's very much like a sibling-to-sibling thing. And so I think a combination of being an only child and Mm -hmm. being raised in the 90s in the post-evangelical Christian universe means that Halloween was like just not a thing. Mm. Then I went to college, and sort of all of my friends' love of Halloween got me interested in Halloween sort of for the first time ever. So it's mostly I just I find it interesting because other people love it so much and other people have such like this passionate 
like enjoyment of watching scary movies and getting together and listening to creepy music and having parties and carving pumpkins and it's it's cool and I enjoy it this year I'm finally going to do a thing that I've been meaning to do for a while is have a John Carpenter marathon I oh. believe I believe he I, that he is Halloween mm-hmm. correct yes so original Halloween the thing and I think it's children of the damned okay is is sort of my trifecta that's okay. um my roommate for the last couple of years has been making me watch, not making, I find it very fun. Uh, Halloween Town has oh, been, our, yes. has been our, our go-to yeah. as yep. both, both of us as former Disney Channel kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and the Silent Hill soundtrack for weeks on end. <laughs> That's how I celebrate. Uh, wow, yeah. I was thinking about uh, rewatching. I know what you did last summer. I think it's been mm. several years since I watched that. But yeah, I do have a soft spot, which I guess it sounds terrible when you say this, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Halloween. Uh, just no, Jamie like, Lee Curtis. Yeah, I think some of them yeah, are like, for really it. classic. Absolutely. And and I think we're missing, you know, now we've got just like, it's like gore fests. But I yeah. think back then there was just something special about it. It was more suspenseful, I think. Um, yes, they were slasher fics, so I think there was some gore and everything, but just not like we have today with Saw right. and all this crazy it, it doesn't. It doesn't have the same fixation. It's no. more, I want you to be horrified, not yes. disgusted. Right. Absolutely. Well, we are, as an aside that I'll cut, I'm seeing it tomorrow. <laughs> Oof. I, good luck. Which, Godspeed. I don't. I'm a little nervous about it. I'm seeing it with my mother because I saw the TV movie with her. So I'm like, let's go see this. So I'm a little nervous about it. But one day, it. one day I might watch the original, but only yeah. for Tim Curry. Oh, so, yeah. We all I mean, down here. <sighs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I'll let you know if I make it or not. So we are going to watch Justice League Dark, and it was originally released in, well, Digital HD on January 24th, 2017, and then on DVD February 7th, 2017. And it was directed by Jay Olivia, and as uh, Wikipedia synopsized, or gave a synopsis, it said that it features an original premise, wherein a supernatural force is causing violent crimes across America, and Batman consults exorcist John Constantine to form a team of magic-based human, metahumans. So that's just the synopsis. And I really like the cast, which is something that we'll probably talk about as we do our review and as we talk. But as I mentioned, Matt Ryan returns as John Constantine. Yes. Camilla Luddington, uh, who plays the Tomb Raider in the new version of Tomb Raider games. Oh, okay. Yes, is Zatanna. Uh, one of my favorite characters, actually, Boston Brand slash Deadman, is played by Nicholas Tuturo. Ray Chase as Jason Blood slash Etrigan the Demon. Roger Cross as both Swamp Thing and Green Lantern, the Jon Stewart version. Then we have Jerry O'Connell as Clark Kent. Rosario Dawson makes her return as Wonder Woman. Um, Enrico Colantoni as Felix Faust. Alfred Molina as Destiny. J.B. Blanc as Abnegazar. Is that, that a good pronunciation? Uh, it, it, it's it's so <laughs> close enough. <laughs> okay. Or and Merlin, Fred Tadaschiori. Oh man, who this guy pops up everywhere is Gast, and I'm not sure if I missed everyone. Anyone? Uh, Colleen Millard as Black Orchid. 
uh, Jeffrey Vincent Paris as Wrath. I think those are the main people there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is, I don't know how many times you watched it, but I've already seen it. Mm-hmm. And uh, before you put it in for the first time, oh, that sounds bad. Before you, <laughs> before you, before press, you experienced I it. I know, experienced it for the first time, press play for the first time. What were your expectations going in on this movie? My expectations were simultaneously very high and very low mm. because it was going to be – every time there is a new piece of that has Matt Ryan as Constantine in it, I know in my heart and soul it might be the last. Mm. And so every single one is is dear and precious to me. But it's a 72-minute dated movie. It was probably going to be just perfectly fine. So long as it had my guy, I really, it could have been anything. And I would have been, you know, I, I would have gotten my money's worth. Uh, so I, I, I sort of went in with a, a mixed expectation of, I, I figured it would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just wanted, I, I just needed, I needed some more Matt Ryan, John Constantine, and hanging out with, Swamp Thing and basically giving me the chance to have all the things that I wanted from Constantine Season 2 all in one movie together. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, I think it kind of delivered pretty well. That's good. So you're reaching closure, maybe? I am. Well, it definitely has a better ending <laughs> than Season 1. Seeing as Season 1 had no ending yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. For me, I, I've got a love-hate relationship with the current wave of DC animated films. Some of them I think are good. Uh, Some of them I think are not good. And the Justice League ones in particular are touch and go. I thought that Justice League War was absolutely awful. But I think the latest one, uh, the Justice League versus Teen Titans, I thought was pretty good as well as the Atlantis one. I don't remember Mm -hmm. if that's what it was called. Uh, Throne of Atlantis. Yes, that was. And I thought that was... miniseries or event or whatever the heck it yeah. was. I thought that was pretty good. So this one I was coming in, I'm like, okay, we'll see. I saw it was rated R, which is this is the only, well, this is the first Justice League that was rated R. It was the second film because, of course, that one I don't like to talk about, a.k.a. Killing Joke, was rated R. Ugh. So I wasn't really sure what that meant. But uh, I really love Zatanna as a character. I, I love to read anything with her in it. So I thought this this could be pretty good. But still, you know, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, meaning, not that I don't like it, just I don't really go out of my way to read Justice League Dark. So I was basically going in with like an even temperament, open mind, and I was really pleasantly surprised, which I guess is a spoiler, but I actually really enjoyed this film, which is why I'm doing a commentary, because otherwise I wouldn't suffer a thrill. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have time to watch bad movies. Like, yeah. I don't have the emotional yeah. energy. There's, there's right. too many things I want to actually enjoy. I, yeah. I, I don't have time for a hate watcher or riff tracks. Absolutely. Okay. Is there anything you would tell people, listeners, before we start this, that you think they should know going in? Uh, I would say that it does. It it earns its R rating in uh, a few pretty pretty horrific uh, <laughs> images. Um, yeah. But I think it also sort of counterpoint does a pretty good job of not being. Uh, let's just say the killing joke and not not saying we're rated R, so we're just going to do whatever the heck we feel like. Yeah. So, you know, pro- proceed with caution, but if, mm-hmm. if you know, basically you're getting, you're getting what it says on the tin. It's mm-hmm. going to be 
Batman and a bunch of mystical characters swearing and beating up demons. And if that's your thing, then. Yeah. Do you think they need any background on any of these characters going into this? Or do you think they could come in off the street and say, hey, what's this? And watch it and they'll be okay. So I think largely due to how fixed the runtime for these movies are, a lot of exposition gets crammed in very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So things like Black Orchid and the House of Mystery and why are they attached to the Constantine mythos and what's going on with this character? When was Merlin? You haven't established this. So provided that you're ready to just sort of accept it, and think about the continuity later, it's mm-hmm. enjoyable. Because there's there's a lot of backstory and bits and pieces stolen from different continuities and series that all get muddled together. And it does a pretty good job of putting it all together, but there's some gaps. Okay. Yeah, which well, I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. I was going to say, hopefully we will fill in some of those. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you will anyways. Yeah, you are the brains on this one, so um, I hope that you talk more than I do. Uh, okay, just well, to war- I, have, yeah. I have two and a half pages of notes. I hope that's enough. Hey, that is fine. And as a warning, some people complain that I don't talk a lot on my show when they're on with me, but it's because I bring experts on. So I'm not going to talk about things that I don't oh, that know. You, haven't, haven't you ever heard I'm, I'm not an expert? <laughs> I'm just part of the podcasting family. Sure, sure, yeah. Don't take everything that I say with a grain of salt. I learned half of this from Wikipedia. Okay, sounds good. But, you know, I'm not going to completely silent, but I just want to let you know that if I'm not talking as much, it's because, you know, I'm I'm listening to you. So just as a warning, since you're a first time over here. All Uh, right. I think without further ado, we should get this party started. Now, as a – what we do here on Backworld Oracle for commentaries is that we say some items we would like to take with us to watch this as if it were a real movie. So I will, for instance, I will bring my Swamp Thing action figure with me. And I will also, in honor of Prof Prof, I will bring a little file. Excellent. Um, I will bring – Let's see. Let's see. I will bring my little six-inch included with the special edition John Constantine minifig Mm -hmm. um, and some uh, uh, Hellfire spicy hot popcorn to enjoy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, we are both – EM Squared and I are both queued up and we can just barely see the red WB. So that's where we all are, so if we both are. So if you want to be queued up with us, that'd be great. And I'm going to count down from three, three, two, one, play is how I'm going to do it. And then we're going to get this started. And I know that a couple times ago the volume was too loud on my end. That's just the way the audio works. So I'll turn it down for you guys. But just the recording program, it it picks up the audio since I'm listening to the video. But I will turn it down because I did hear comments about it before. Okay, so here we go. I'm excited. Okay, so in three, two, one, play. Like that, how the DC logo uh, yeah, went into the yeah. moon. <laughs> it's spooky ooky. <laughs> Starting in Washington, DC, the absolute cesspit of humanity. Oh no, my goodness. That's terrible. Some idiot just hit me. 
Do you realize how much this is going to cost? Not in money, which I have plenty of, but in... So begins the horrifying Wait, visuals. Get away! <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, 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 it couldn't be normal at all where there would be horns on the head when it had to come out. I, I personally am a big fan of this. I love surreal <laughs> demon and or angel, in fact, iconography. So the animation is pretty standard to the... Uh, the DC animated movies that have been being released, but I, I thought the action sequences were handled all pretty well. Wonder Woman getting to have her Superman catching a car moment. Absolutely. Do you have thought? What do you think about Wonder Woman's outfit? I'm her design. I'm not personally a big fan of this look. Um. I understand why they do it to a certain degree, it, having it be probably a lot simpler to animate without all of the details and the Grecian skirt and such like. But I, I really prefer the classic armored and skirt option. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving to Metropolis for the most American horror story moment of this whole this whole film. Yeah. <sighs> like an Akira-esque vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> this, this whole concept is so far outside of Superman's wheelhouse. Like, I, I feel so bad for Clark just having to deal with this level of messed upness, even before the supernatural yeah. elements get involved. Just the concept of absolutely. a gun-toting suburban maniac is is just absolutely horrifying. And then, of course, you get to go to the shed. Yeah, and see what happens. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I feel like some of these heroes are pigeonholed and they have only very particular people that they go up up against or certain things. And I think Batman would be one of the people that would deal with this probably more often than not. Exactly. Or Batwoman. Oh, Batwoman's oh, been absolutely, dealing a lot yeah. with super supernatural stuff mm-hmm. since New 52. Yeah. And even just really, really gritty crime stories. Oh, oh. absolutely, yeah. Gotham and its gorgeous gothic architecture. <laughs> I, yes. Of course, this, this, and this is why we talked about it on Darkness to Light. It's like, okay, we're going to have a yeah. woman, an antichrist, a crucifix, a cathedral. Well, we have oh, to talk goodness. about it. Let me help you. Suddenly, it's like Rosemary. Yeah, and birth to the devil. It's the god. That yeah, yeah. That eyeball in the mouth. It's it's horrifying. Yeah, this isn't like all real monsters from Nickelodeon. No, no, absolutely. Whoever whoever was doing some of these like creature animation designs seems to be on Face Off. There's some there's some horrifyingly creative monsters in this feature. Something poignant that I thought Wonder Woman said. I think the woman looks back and says there's like monsters there, and Wonder Woman looks at that woman and says, The only monster I see here is you. Yeah. Or something similar to that, which I think is poignant because, I mean, that's true life of, you know, I think people doing horrible things. Certainly. Um, yeah, and, and already in these three little vignettes, setting the tone that. 
the heroes, even when they show up, quote unquote, in time, they can't right. save everyone. There's going to be collateral damage. There's going to be, you know, victims of the mad driving spree that, you know, Batman couldn't save the mother, even though he saved the baby. You know, Superman was too late to save the rest of the neighborhood and really does sort of the stakes. That, like like a Hellblazer comic. And some people aren't going to make it out of this at the end. The same pattern is repeating around. So there could be an overriding factor. I do love that of all of these characters, Wonder Woman is the first one to be like, oh yeah, it's probably paranormal. And then Batman is absolutely not. And Superman's like, really, Bruce? Really? The, the nonsense that you've dealt with before. But I suppose it does work that it's not so much that he doesn't believe it could be paranormal he just doesn't want to jump to that conclusion yeah yeah it makes sense i mean wonder woman i think and hawkman probably both would be people that would deal with mystics because you know wonder woman's got her her patrons and the gods and everything and then hawkman of course deals with reincarnation so they would probably be the most blinded yeah Oh my goodness. Constantine. Constantine. That's horrifying. <laughs> I love this intro. Yeah. It, it's very reminiscent of the television show in its design with all of the circles and the red lighting and the mystical imagery and ah this is just this is this is just my jam right here. And even the soundtrack reminds me of, like, the theme from Constantine. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's got a sort of sound-alike feel. And even just, just little things like the the pseudo-mystical smoke and fire uh, captioning that they have every time they move to a new city to set the mm-hmm. the time and the place. And what blo- ah, there he is. This fall of a kind lose. <laughs> two, two, back, Constantine. <laughs> Have you gained weight? It looks good on you. I am so glad that Matt Ryan has gotten to come back to this character so frequently. He said in interviews that it's just a lot of fun to get to play John Constantine because he is such a dick just to everyone all the time. Keep that monster locked away forever. Demons, humans, friends, enemies, it doesn't matter. He's just always taking the piss out of everyone. Love it. Was uh, Keanu Reeves played Constantine too, right? He did, yeah. Was it? I have, I have, <laughs> I haven't watched the old Swamp Thing movies, and I haven't watched the old Constantine. Okay. I don't intend to really watch either <laughs> ever. I know that. Mm. Oh, but our next group of friends. I just Swinton, what, I believe, played Gabriel, and that's the only oh, good thing about that movie. Yeah, I wondered what his interpretation <laughs> was. Presto change. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll never know. I will never know. All I know is he's American and thus loses 50% of his charm immediately. true power. Owns a chain of islands and dated Claudia Schiffer. I love canonically David Copperfield is a practitioner of the mystic arts. Oh, looks like you can't call my bet, Constantine. By my rules, you lose. I raise. With what? Your ratty soul ain't worth two bits. Not two bits. <laughs> I'm betting the house. The house of mystery. So the house of mystery. 
that was a thing that was attached to his, I suppose we'll say mythos, uh, in the early days of the Justice League Dark comic book, uh, folding in the House of the House of Mystery and the House of Horror, were two of the anthology horror books that DC published. And it, I mean, it's basically the TARDIS. It travels through not so much time, but space and dimensions and is bigger on the inside and has a bunch of mystical powers associated with it, but... I'm out. It's a, it's a thing that I have, I have enjoyed sort of being connected to John Constantine. It gave us the millhouse in the TV show and gives it the ability to do sort of an Edgar Who-ish. Uh, things here in this movie. I'd be a poor sport indeed if I didn't accept a fair way to... I will say the three demons sort of remind me of the three hyenas in Lion King. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very very much so. Just... just but with the British turned up to, like, 70. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> No Goldberg. Rip your bloody heart out! Sorry, mate. I'm using that. I love that everybody at this card game is just cheating up a storm. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as you lose, how dare you? Though I don't know. Do you think um, Jason Blood cheats? I, I don't think so. With the the, the very Paladin-ish. With the very paladin sort of take on his character, I, I doubt it. You also notice he's the one who loses. Yeah. I suppose in a very, a very Constantine sort of logic. If you're playing with demons, why play fair? They won't. And speaking of not playing fair, forcing Jason to assume the the role of Etrigan in order to save his butt. Once more with words of what sort of training did Constantine undergo? A uh, none. Okay. None whatsoever. Okay. Uh, in, in all seriousness, it's a sort of vary from continuity to continuity, but he's he is self-taught and very much has a sort of patchwork quote-unquote training. He's just picked up bits and pieces here and there. And the thing from the Hellblazer days was that he actually wasn't very powerful in actual magic. And a lot of the time, he either talked his way out or cheated his way out of situations and didn't do as much of the summoning fireballs or compelling other people's actions that he does more than this movie. That there, is, there was a reason that he was he was called Con Man all the time. With me is done. Yeah. 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 That was deserved. Fully deserved. And you force me to summon him. Everything got oh, sorted. And if that's not just John's modus operandi, everything got sorted in the end. So whatever sacrifices or risks we took along the way just don't matter. And when Jason calls him out on it, he says, I did consider the cost, but the other personally get eaten, so anything's better than that. Right. 
and that that just utter utter selfishness mm-hmm. that really typifies his character i find really compelling and there's there's your girl there she is in her beautiful top hatted tuxedoed glory yep and the fishnets now, since we talked about Wonder Woman's costume at the beginning, what do you think of Zatanna's costume that she has, not in this scene in particular, but in sort of the rest of the movie where she's just wearing the, sort of the bustier and the yeah. gloves as opposed to the fishnets and tuxedo? I think, you know, it's it's missing something. I guess it's weird to say, but I think it's missing something when you take away the fishnets. Um, I just think that's like a classic sign of both her and uh, Dinah, uh, Black Canary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I overall really liked her design in this particular back. film. I think it shows you like her business side and her fun place. side when she's wearing what she was just wearing. And then when oh, she's sort of mission-oriented. I'm fine, Zatanna. Busy. You know Though, however, you know, like... Constant. Clearly, she's no. well endowed here. You must have some. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there is that. Know you two have history, uh, so I there's a there's a good amount of boobs in this movie. Indeed. See, Batman, needs to talk uh, Batman to says something pretty funny about um, like, is does Peta know about this trick yeah. that you yeah. did oh, yeah. <laughs> with the elephants? <laughs> with the elephants. <laughs> yes. Shut <laughs> that. Batman actually gets a lot of good singers in this movie that he hilariously that is. is kind of the comedic relief. Yeah, which you don't expect. I'll yeah. tell you on the way to John's. Okay, but I call shotgun. And poor Boston. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you don't get to ride up front in the Batmobile. I know, poor I don't guy. even think his kid could fit back here. Sorry, Boston, <laughs> but life is for the living. Boston Brand. He was a circus performer. Batman's heard of me. This guy also is... I read a lot of his old stuff after I did a commentary with Michael Bailey for Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, It's super interesting, but it's really tragic because he's got to find the guy who killed him. And it just seems like it's never going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So he can never be at rest. So many of the DC mystical characters have that going for them. You know, eradicate all evil and then you can be at rest. Find the man who killed you and then you can be at rest. Like, so many of them get such a rotten deal. In the process, Brad, most powers, but like... You know, if he doesn't... If he doesn't find this guy in his murderer's lifetime... Like, is he ever going to know peace? Yeah. Like, he's got kind of a, a timetable. Yeah. He died. And that should have been that. He died. I'll use Zatanna. She's just like, yeah, he's dead now. Yeah. And here comes some of that weirdness. Like, uh, Rama Kushna, I believe, yeah. is, is her name. And she, like, she's only associated with Dead Man. She never shows up any of the rest of the time ever. Yeah. And that's fine. And it's just, who does, who does she work for? Actually, in that uh, Alan Moore Swamp Thing run, there is a really interesting issue where Swamp Thing goes to hell, and he sort of goes through the levels of the afterlife and meets all of the various undead heroes and and gods of death and undeath and the living, and it's really, it's a very interesting look at the the complex nature of death and not dying in the DC universe. Was it the classical idea of the underworld, or was it um, 
sort of Dante's Inferno, Inferno's idea? Um, it's sort of both. Like, there's Dante's Inferno is, like, one level, and then another level is just whiteness, and then, like, another level is, like, uh, the, uh, what is it, the Elysian Fields? Yes, yes. So there's, there's a whole, he goes to, like, 30 afterlives that all exist simultaneously. It's a very, very interesting, um, little story. And, of course, he gets to meet himself, because, you know, Swamping has some issues to deal with at that particular point in his continuity. I feel so bad for poor Batmobile. Like, it's just, you know, it's... Bruce, Bruce does his best, but if it's Car versus Mystical Tornado, Twill Tornado is going to yeah. win. Saving their bacon right in the nick of time. John and the house. And Shipper. Should we just keep like a count? We, we could. The Shipper count. <laughs> to what do I owe the vit? The League thinks that a recent spike in homicide magical cause. I love how unimpressed with Batman John is. He's just like, uh huh. Yeah, weird guy in a bat suit. What are you doing in my house? What did he say? Uh-uh. I'm not playing telephone between you two. Marquito and Loom, he saw this. Wait. Sorry about the Batmobile. Your insurance was paid up. <laughs> what, is that even a policy for something like that? <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, I told you not to oh, do I that. I forgot already. about this lady. Bloody door. Yes. I see you are well. And she's like a manifestation of the house, yeah? Yes. That's something they made up for this movie in order to make it make sense. There was a manifestation of the house from the comic book, but they blended it with different things from the series in order to make it a single single entity of Black Orchid here. Black Orchid's existence is one of those things that it's just like, just go with it. Don't don't think too hard about why she's here or how she's here. She just is. The house is there, and she's a hot, mostly naked lady. Yeah, with little fairy wings. With little fairy wings. True magic. Who calls out uh, Zatanna on her complicated feelings about John? Yeah. You still have feelings. <laughs> you are angry. I understand this. <laughs> God, I love is that. Kind of shiver movement number two. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> God, I, they're both so terrible together, and yet I love them so much. How do you cope with it? I liked in, I don't know if you read Bombshells by Marguerite Bennett, but I loved little Constantine the Rabbit. I so, adore. Like, uh, yeah. Constantine. Was like, yeah. Well, I guess we should have that chin wag about now. Oh, gosh. Again, a very briefly skipped over funny line. How do you cope with all this darkness, Batman? I have a butler. Yeah. I'm a cushion that says this will break down the walls between the planes. Even the afterlife will be affected. Yeah, it's dodgy, all right. I'll look into it. Meanwhile, the house will drop you. Yeah, I'll get to it, whatever. Get out of my house. Rama says we have to work together. Come on, it's Dream Team. You, me, Zatanna, Batman, maybe even the Justice League. The Puff so desperately wants to have friends. Yeah. 
Like, this is just tries to get the band back together. Boston, do I strike you as a team player? Puts John in charge of it. Bad idea. Bad, bad, bad idea. It's how we got the appendix Neanderthals on reality TV. Z, your help I could use. Okay, if we do it as a group. Ah, this this is the monkey cage in Sumatra all over again. <laughs> we need to save the monkey, she said. I honestly <laughs> wonder how much of his lines Matt Ryan got to improvise. I hope a lot of them. Yeah. I love his grunting. He's a, that's the second time he's done it. He's <laughs> dead. Second of many. Yeah. Den Mother Batman. Yeah. Let's take a walk on the dark side then. He's so sarcastic. I just. I love it. <laughs> this was even a thing with the comic. The fact that John was in charge. Where are we going? Like, just literally everyone was like, this is a bad idea. I know he's pissed. You don't have to remind me. Oh, another character from the TV show getting uh, folded into the movie uh, and with the same actor Jeremy Davies uh, reprising the role purveyor of the dark arts and lifeline of last resort no matter your friend's soul will be this is kind of creepy like they just kind of wait outside (sighs) yeah it's pretty bad it's 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 freaky Um, who's he talking to now and I, I love how unfazed John is by it. He's just like, yeah, I see you all the time. I like that they're drawn to Batman. Because they're just like, honestly, with your self-destructive life, you should not be alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's vexing. They're annoyed he's not dead yet. Boo. Boo. Oh my god. Yeah. But it's time for you, Again. Batman gets so many of the best yeah. funny lines, but delivered in just that absolute deadpan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as always, John just like, yeah, bugger off. <laughs> yeah, I thought I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> How you doing, Johnny boy? Oh, Richie. Zatanna. And man. What the hell? This is the best day of my life. <laughs> I get to meet Batman. Yeah. I loved Richie in the TV show, and I was really glad to see him showing up in this uh, this version as well. It, it, this is part of what makes this movie really feel like a continuation of maybe not a season two, but sort of mm-hmm. a, you know, five years down the road. This is where these characters would have ended up. And as I... Uh, mentioned at the beginning john is not unlike magical you know radium that he, he just mm-hmm. just radiates darkness and everyone around him gets cancer yeah do you think john can ever be is he similar to batman do you think he can ever be happy honestly i think that batman has something that John will never have, which is contentment. Mm. That John is never satisfied. And that's part of sort of his character and his curse. That Batman can at least find like-minded individuals. You know, he can have the Insiders or the Robins or even the Justice League. John really does have no one. 
partially due to his actions and partially due to who he is as a person that he says, think, why should I ever apologize to you? I didn't do anything wrong. And then gets socked in the face by everyone close to him. Yep. He is just, I think more so than Batman. People like to harp on Batman and the poor coping mechanisms. Like... Batman doesn't have the greatest coping mechanisms or the greatest mental health, but he's found something that works for him. Mm-hmm. John is very much an addict, uh, be it alcohol, be it cigarettes, magic, that he is just – he just has an insatiable drive that is very, very self-destructive. And even the people around him who try to help him are usually just going to get caught up in his vortex and drive down with him. bring it up a little bit from that pretty dark the biggest divergence from canon is probably the fact that in this version John is significantly taller than Richie Oh, okay. since they're going with the Justice League Dark version in Justice Mm -hmm. League Dark they tried to make him a more stereotypical lead and that meant that he gained a lot of pretty points and about six inches in height okay how does this work it's basically a magical shortcut it lets me access different planes of existence without doing 20-odd hours of incantations. In this case, I'll poke around this poor sod's memories to see how his madness began. And here we see John and his, uh, I suppose, gray magic. Mm. Just, you know, I'm just going to go uh, jump into this guy's brain, just root around in his head. You know, there's probably some questions of consent and privacy that he yeah. doesn't doesn't care about. He's like, well, this is what needs to happen. He's a very much shortest distance between point A and point B person and doesn't get caught up much in the morals of how he gets from there. You wanted me along. I'm here. I'm not waiting in the wings. Let's do this. Shipper moment number three? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> We have, there we go. Okay, I was there we for go. actual contact. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting, though, as you mentioned that, that it's not like Batman or... I, I think he's alone again. Zatanna stop him, though. I mean, they would be the voices of reason, but they Z? they sort of let him do whatever. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think it's mentioned by the, the wraiths that John Constantine is everybody's last resort because at the end of the day even with his incredibly questionable methods he does get results and that that works for him at the end of the day what he does works and he's able to live with the consequences or more often than not ignore the consequences after all you got a good thing going being applauded by mindless twits Such a sardonic, pessimist bastard. It's also, this is sowing the seeds for later on because he's sort of trying to entice her to, like, do some more dark magic and we'll see what happens later on when she actually does let that go. Yeah. Prepare for the worst, and when the worst happens, I'm ready. But my outlook doesn't alter the reality of the world. Yes, his perception of reality is another thing that I just always find interesting. It is very much a glass-half-empty, pessimistic, humanity-is-just-garbage sort of place. And if you read into Hellblazer and some of his backstory, you can see why he feels that way. Um, Had a 
terrible home life himself. So seeing all of these images of um, the the man who went crazy and killed and tried to kill his family, and seeing oh yep, abused as a kid and mocked and bullied and drinks and I think John probably sees uh, some unpleasant mirroring to his own life in this guy's head. This is the part of the movie where you probably put down whatever you're eating. Yes. Because um. <laughs> <laughs> the poop, the poop blob is coming. The poop, the poop monster. monster. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it weren't actually made of poop, this would be a really great creature design. Again, I. <laughs> yeah. it, it sort of has. Um, no one will ever compare these two things ever again. I'm sure, but. Um, uh, a Hayao Miyazaki sort of feel. Yes, the absolutely. Way he does. Yeah, the um, uh, demons. No face. No face. That. Yes, absolutely. What do you think will set him up? There's. Oh my goodness. I love. Oh Miyazaki. See why haven't we spoken before? <laughs> Let's bring oh. it all back. Yeah. Oh, and. Yikes! The hor- horrifying wraith of nonsense and poor Batman okay left left on his own devices usually Batman is a pretty good person to leave behind and watch back but you've got him and dead man theoretically you know arguably the less powerful members of the team trying to hold off the poop monster and buy time for the rest of their team to get out Batman's just out of his Yeah, just at, this is so far beyond Batman's pay grade. Yep. Like he does he does a really, really good job, because I mean, you know, he's Batman. Yep. I, I especially like whenever we get to see Batman being kind of MacGyver. That we, we get to see he's really smart. He's not just these, you know, great martial artist and like tactician and all that stuff, but he's like, oh, there's a defibrillator cart that's a weapon oh there's sprinklers that's a weapon yeah I think you mentioned you uh, were a fan of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye series yes Uh, are you currently reading the Kate Bishop series I am not Uh, I keep hearing good things about it but it's just uh weirdly enough for the first time since the new 52 first came out I have a really long like monthly pull list. Oh, so wow. I, okay. I just don't have time to yeah. add anything else to it. And here we see again that just now, John, no John always walking just a little, a little bit too close to the darkness, a little too close to the abyss, and managing to pull himself out by the skin of his teeth. But one day, one day he's going to be just a little bit too slow. Gross. <laughs> it's art. It's art, of course. Uh, oh, the shit's really. Oh, really, Boston? You have to go there, Boston. <laughs> oh, th- thanks, John. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what you were saying about Batman and just sort of surveying 
his environment and, and figuring yeah I know there he goes again it's surveying his environment picking things out they've been doing that in the art and the story of Kate Bishop where she'll be in some sort of situation you see like the panel of art and then little circles over things she's focusing on and then the next panel will be like her putting into action so it sort of reminded me of that Art- artistically I love that that's just a great thing for Excellent. comics to do oh doesn't even stop to banter i know which is which is rare i mean this is this is john in serious mode no time for banter and also no time for saving your dying friend the ring that we kept seeing uh sort of reminded me of the one ring to rule them all yeah yeah Oh, poor, poor Richie. Just, oh, man. Just adrenaline shot right to the heart. Yeah. Really? Not everything requires magic. This is why you bring Batman. Yeah. He's, where does he get all those wonderful toys? Make sure he sees that right when he wakes up. If he wakes. Mm. We need to talk, you and I. Not to constantly harp back to the TV show, but this very much uh, had very strong overtones of when uh, John's friend Gary was dying. And if you consider that this is theoretically in continuity, you can definitely see John having some flashbacks to that scenario himself and thinking, oh God, another one of my friends is dying and there's nothing I can do about it. When you burst in, I knew I'd get blamed, so I ran. Do you believe him? Jason's not the murdery type. He's chock full of honor. I really like Jason Blood. And in in this movie in particular, I really like the rapport that he has with John. uh, Just because his lawful good paladin self and John's chaotic, neutral uh, morals kind of balanced each other out in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they, as with most people, he and John are colleagues, and they just really can't stand each other at all. I was a young Ah, here it is, his flashback. Epic backstory time! So, what did you think of this this magical... Dr. Destiny version that we got. But Merlin told us he was a man of science at one time. Well, I try not... He's not the same... Have you... You've seen the Justice League animated cartoon? I have, so I am aware of... Because... Isn't there a Dr. Destiny? Dr. Destiny. Okay. Okay. But are they the same? So I'm I'm not sure if this is another character that was also named Destiny. Okay. I think this is sort of doing a fantasy mystical version yeah. of that character because it has the same sort of powers of hallucination and fear and things of that nature that Dr. Destiny has. I kind of liked the uh, the interpretation where his, I think Morgan Le Fay was the uh, main antagonist in this backstory. In this yeah. Backstory, or in Batman. I liked that. Yeah. So I'm not sure what to make of, of this guy. The 
this whole sequence with uh, Jason Blood and Merlin and Etrigan and the backstory, I really uh, enjoyed because it got to draw on my other favorite underread New 52 series, which is Demon Knights, mm. which has one of the greatest premises ever, which is basically, what if you had DC Comics characters, but they were in a Dungeons & Dragons game? Okay. Uh, and this is a thing that I want to bring up, is that this whole movie is very, very Dungeons & Dragons. Um, even in the modern settings, sort of the way that magic works. I uh, referenced it earlier. I said uh, lawful neutral and chaotic neutral. That the, the way that magic functions, even they talk about um, planes and uh, ritual spells versus like verbal spells. and uh, it, It's not... Again, it's not the continuity of the way that magic works in the original Hellblazer series, or even really the way magic works in the comic book Justice League Dark. Uh, but it's fun, and it's uh, fairly fairly uniform throughout. And led me to a, a, an interesting revelation that kind of made John Constantine's character make sense uh, for me in a in a weird way. Is that he is end of the day? He's not a wizard. He's not actually even a sorcerer or a warlock or any other magical character. He's a bard. He talks his way out of most things. Uh, and whenever he can't, he tries to brute force his way out. But when he tries to go toe to toe with pretty much any of the other magical characters, he's just not on the same power level that they are. Mm. I apologize to both you and Jason. Merlin sort of pulled a John Constantine here. I, I, I very much like this kind of, kind of dickish Merlin because e- yeah. even in the original, um, uh, when Jack Kirby created the character back in the seventies, you're just like, oh yeah, and in order to save your life, I am going to bind you to a demon and force you to go to hell. Uh, every time that you summon that demon and then you're going to live forever and you're going to outlive everyone you know and you're going to live with this horrible curse. Isn't that great? Yeah. I sort of like the feeling that you give it up, really. no, none of the magic users in the DC universe are really great people. Zatanna is the best. That she's yeah. honestly trying. She is a good person. She has a good sense of morals. Um, but even she can get a little out of control, as we'll see in the future. But most of the other mystical characters, you can't really trust. Even the good guys. Dr. Fate? Well, but he, his whole thing is order and chaos. He doesn't really get terribly involved with... Uh, is the morality of good and evil. Richard, who was it? Who did this to you? Faust. Felix Faust. And then, of course, there is Felix Faust. Yes. The, the go-to magical villain of the DC universe. <laughs> For when you want something less scary than Trigon. Pretty much, oh, gosh. You pretty much, gra- you pretty much grab uh, Felix Faust if it's low stakes and Trigon if it's big stakes. I give you wizard and arsehole extraordinaire Felix Faust. <laughs> wizard and arsehole extraordinaire. Worldwind is just his style. The League had a run-in with Faust, but his location isn't in our database. Yeah, well, wizards don't make a habit of signing up for credit cards or social media. 
His grandly named observatory of the cosmos is hidden from the likes of you and Superman, but not from me. Again, just John's complete obsession with his own power. Yeah, I can absolutely fix this. I totally, yeah. I totally know what I'm doing. No, he, he never really knows where he's doing to begin with, and he pretty much just tries to bluff his way through. She is everything. Felix Faust would take precautions against locator spells. There's another way. But it involves asking a favor of someone that I don't have the best relationship with. Someone just dislikes you. Isn't that everybody? Shocking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm shocked. John. Keep him alive and safe, understand? That is not my purpose. I don't give a flying shy what you think your bloody purpose is. I order you to help him any and every way you're able. Again, John, with the I order you to help in any and every way that you are able. He's, ex- he's not exactly what we think about as a um, contract-based guy. He does he does not think about the future. And here we are with Alec Holland, a.k.a. Swamp yes. Thing. Our date is more factual. His relationship with John is from, from back in the old days is something I always found fascinating. I like to bring up there's a issue of hellblazer from i think the early 90s uh where john has a birthday because he's one of the few characters who actually aged uh as his care as as years progressed he actually aged in comic and at one point he has his 40th birthday or something and the only person who shows up is swamp thing oh wow it's so sad but it's just they're they're very strange relationship. In the Justice League Dark comic book, it was very antagonistic. Sort of the way that it is here. John but just, uh... <laughs> you dare threaten Again, it, he has so few friends that even colleagues who don't like him, he has... is kind of where he has the best relationships. At least he knows where he stands with Swamp Thing. They don't like each other. Our need is urgent. Don't let your feelings for John stop you from doing what's right. I do feel like the New 52 did something interesting with Swamp Thing because with the green, and then I think Animal Man was doing stuff with the red, but now it's like, even Poison Ivy now is connected, which I think in the past, I I feel like she wasn't, and now it makes more sense that of course she would be, like she's communing with the green, so I think that's one of the positive things to come out of New 52. I agree. Uh, A lot of the New 52, I feel like, tried to make things too (laughs) strange. I despise John Constantine. He enrages me. Okay. Again, deadpan. But the the green and the red, and then I think it was the rot, sort of the, oh, yeah. the three cosmic forces yeah. of life. Um, I, I dug that, sort of cosmologically. Mostly because it didn't deal too much with trying to make the afterlife make sense. Is there There is no better way to travel than by green. So we're sort of at a point where Batman hasn't really been doing much. Yeah. And so my question is, do you think this, like, could this movie have held its own without Batman? Does the team do relatively well without Batman? What do you think? 
I think that it could have done all right without him, but I do think that he maybe doesn't contribute much on, like, the powers side, but as far as having an outsider perspective, I think, like I said, he actually provides a lot of the humor. Um... So I think it's definitely worth having Batman in the movie. Also, if Batman wasn't in it, I think it would have been pretty hard to pitch this movie getting made. Um, just because if you have Batman on it, you can put it, you can put him on the cover, and you know, get 14 percent larger sales margin, which maybe justifies making the movie in the first place. Um, but I think I think he does enough. It just sort of serving as an anchor to the normal superhero world, quote-unquote the normal world that he wants to be like, well, let me check the database. Let me, you know, search for his obituary. Let me call the Justice League. And it has to be everyone else say, okay, I know that's your standard MO, but in this particular situation, it's not going to work, and here's why. So it sort of helps justify some of stuff. Some stuff like, why don't they just call the Justice League? You know, why don't they bring in, uh, you know, some other other characters that might have um, powers that they could add to this team? Why is it just these three idiots, you know, plus a couple competent casters like Zatanna? Um, <laughs> yeah. This is a great fight sequence that they have with uh, Felix Faust. Uh, and it really does establish who the two powerhouses of the team are. Etrigan, with his, you know, demonic strength, and then Zatanna, mm-hmm. who is really the the strongest member of the team far and away, and Felix is in- incredibly genius, yet disgusting. Oh, I just made it so that women can't speak in my, uh, in my sanctum yeah. sanctorum, and all of a sudden everything's better, because... I'm like, oh God, you're so gross. Yeah, but it's effective. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I remember in Identity Crisis when um, Deathstroke, yeah, Deathstroke took her out, just like. Yeah, and it's like no. <laughs> that whole sequence with Deathstroke, not to talk about, you know. Identity crisis on something that's not identity crisis, but that is the weakest sequence because everybody is taken out way too easily in that in that scene. But Zatanna really is crazy, crazy, stupid, powerful, and not only powerful as we see in this fight sequence, but she is resourceful and she is smart. Um, so she gets some pretty good, some good workarounds for that uh, that curse of being unable to actually speak. And this is sort of where we get Batman being uh, sort sort of contributing more to the team on the powers side because Zatanna is taken out of commission, and so they they need more backup. I do love John making fun of the uh, the bat grappling hook, and then that's the thing that saves his bacon twice. Of course, yeah. That swashbuckling, cool swing, and then just landing on his ass—that's just—that's just John in a nutshell. Now, I'm not sure what you know about the character of Etrigan the Demon. 
have you read any of his stuff or <sighs> no I and I really want to but they don't have oh it's like all that stuff is out of print which is really yeah. frustrating I guess I could get digital stuff but um, any of the essentials are just like wildly expensive so only only what I've seen basically in uh, animated all right I, I find him a, an infinitely interesting character in, in oh, combination absolutely. with Jason. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll probably get to this some more later, but the uh, the sort of the division there between the, you know, Hellspawn, absolute evil demon, and the very honorable, uh, honorable knight... And how the two of them have to work together in order to, you know, save the world. I always find interesting. Uh, they did a lot of good stuff with him in Demon Knights. Yeah, he was one of the titular characters. Uh, and there was mm-hmm. some, some interesting things there about who was the protagonist of their duo. Was, you know, sort of who, who had the wheel most of the time between J- Jason and Etrigan. And here we see Zatanna uh, unable to speak, but she's still able to summon a spell in her throat and just pulls it out and sends it to go to go find this thing that's preventing her from casting spells normally. And then she has some spells just stored in her wand. She sneaks around. She uses those Batman skills. Yep. I do like the detail on that little statue she has that there's a handkerchief wrapped around, because it's a female statue, around its mouth. And that sort of of goes back to that's the focus. Yeah. So we get very, very dramatic sequence of she's falling. Is she going to be able to get her powers in time? Can Can she, you know, get rid of that gag order? And yes! And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Zatanna really is pretty terrifying. That she... You know, it's one of those people you don't want to see like no, this. She, she, and, she and Raven, actually, of the Teen Titans, are probably on a very similar power level. And, uh... Yeah, just seeing her... Her... her rage of this this thing that was done to her, of her, her ability to speak and cast being taken away from her, and then just her her bloody uh, well, not so much bloody, but uh, violent electrical retribution on Felix Faust. You're just like, okay, yeah, this is why he was scared of her. Because when she's not when she's not taking time to calm herself down and focus on speaking backwards, she just unleashes fury. And possibly the only selfless act I have ever seen John Constantine uh, perform. uh, Jumping in front of Felix Faust, not to save Felix Faust, but to prevent Zatanna from killing him because John knows there are consequences like cosmic supernatural consequences for taking a life and for him it's too late but he wants to protect her yeah talking her down from what is essentially something akin to a panic attack 
And, uh, oh. Shipper moment number four. You see what happened to <laughs> you? Hugs and glitter. control is all. Yeah. <laughs> the best of us. You've seen me in action, right? <sighs> yeah. Once or twice. What? Cute. Here, I haven't done anything before <laughs> in this kind of response. Oh, and Felix Faust, why are you here? Why did you break know. into my house? Let me be. I am but a simple evil magician. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> behind the nightmare crimes. We summoned our old poker buddies in their more massive forms. And then Jason shows up to blow this whole thing wide open. Um, Felix Faust already had access to the Demons 3 from the poker game. And so he didn't need to steal the Dreamstone. He could have had access to it whenever. Somebody else was just trying to get them out of the way. And that somebody else was Richie. Bum, bum, bum. I think that this is a pretty a pretty good twist. Um, partially, partially building on assumptions from, like, if you watch the TV show, which is probably why you're watching this movie, but Richie's one of the good guys. And it, it, it actually is, I think, pretty well set up. It's, it's one of those, like, you could maybe guess, like, oh, something... Something like this might be coming, but I think I think it did a pretty good job of being of sort of setting groundwork for Richie just mm-hmm. being really discontented and then ill and just in very John sort of a very John manner, um, turning to whatever means are necessary. And oh God, this scene. Or he just makes Black Orchid walk into the fireplace. And she has to do what he says. Because that's what John told her to do. And, oh. God, Richie just makes a a wonderfully sinister villain in a very southern gentleman sort of way. Just now, darling, just walk right into that fire. And uh, let me take over the house and just destroy everything. Wouldn't that be nice? Because Richie's bloody well taken control of the house. This is what you get for having mates. Boston, you get inside. <laughs> John, this is why I don't make friends, Constantine. He has a lot of trust issues, which unfortunately are kind of constantly uh, reinforced. Mm. Yeah. Open the door. Do you hear? Open it. We just sat there. Screw you, go home. (laughs) I know, yeah. Next scene. Uh, I mean this oh. And and Richie has now gone full Sith. Richie, please! Stop while there's still time to save your soul. Says the man who skates away from it. Yeah, this this all comes back. John is so so. I finally found just 
more concerned with his friend, the state of his friend's souls. And he's just like, I just want you guys to get out of this alive. And uh, they never do. They really never do. Of course, Rockstar Johnny screwed everything sideways. I do love that Richie keeps calling him Rockstar. Leaning into both his sort of cavalier, self-obsessed attitude, but also the fact that canonically the two of them were in a very bad punk band back in their college days. Oh, oh, it was terrible. things in your ear, getting you to commit atrocities to gain power and make his move. That's one of the things that uh, stuck around from the early, early, early days of John Constantine, because when he was first created, it would have been like 79, so it would have been in the mid-60s that they were basically a... Uh, uh, they were a, a really bad cover band for all of the mid-60s, like, first-wave punk bands. And that's the thing I like that is stuck around in continuity. And poor, poor Richie. Just a, just a pawn in the hands of destiny. I guess 500 must be the new 300. What say we share your beauty secrets over the pine day? A god does carrying not a, call, with mortals. Carrying along with just everyone cheats. Everyone cheats at cards. Everyone cheats on their deal. Uh, Richie says, we had a deal. Well, yeah, you can't trust yeah. ancient mystical evils. And the poor house. Who knows, Zatanna? I don't know. The amount of magic she's used. Sometimes you don't recover. It's been a long day for Zatanna. Like, considering the, the entire yeah. events of this movie takes place over the course of about five hours, she, she's like, I have literally been carrying all six of you for this whole movie. Time, time to take a nap. Yeah. And she did have that magic show, which I don't know how much effort right, she has but to that, put into that. that was, you know, she's had a long day. Yep. All right, and now we are gearing up for final boss fight territory. Just utter, utter chaos unleashed by Destiny and his Dreamstone. It's just random people in offices are just wailing on each other, mowing each other down in cars, fighting in the streets. You know? Yeah, and we get we get more of those demon hallucinations as everybody just opens fire on each other and... Jason says he'll have control of the entire eastern seaboard. Like the whole eastern seaboard will be in flames by morning. You cannot defeat my shield. Since when does God need a force shield? <laughs> nice Star Trek reference, Boston. What does God need with shield? Yeah. The Justice League are on their way. Suppose that couldn't be out. But make sure they stay well away from I death. forgot that there are some sort of like perverted uh yeah, there's, a, there's a good bunch of those in the sequence. 
Because <laughs> he just said, "By will be done," and I think there's and it, more at one coming point up too. he says, uh, "I am, I, I have become unto a god," or something. And John says, well, "We don't yeah, need another one of that yeah. mucking about." Because to be fair, even even depending on how you count gods in the DC universe, there are a lot of them. Even if you don't count the other sure. the other Kirby creations, Absolutely. the new gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, calling the Justice League may have not been the greatest idea because now you have a bunch of super powered and extremely panicked people trying to kill you. Sorry to have to ask this, Jason. Yeah. At least you're asking. I am happy they used John Stewart yeah. in this. Uh, he's he's a favorite of mine. So Constantine calls once more, just like a greedy wanton. <laughs> Save the bloody rhymes and top that gift. <laughs> and Etrigan calls John a slut. <laughs> As you did. Friendship. Think about you, Etrigan. I do like that John just has no time for Etrigan's rhyming shtick. Yeah. And here we have the, the big climactic battle, Etrigan versus Destiny round two. And in a bit of poetic uh, poetic justice or sort of irony, just when they need each other the most, Jason and Etrigan are severed and taken out of combat. So, so we're down our two... Uh, our two big bruisers are both out of commission, which pretty much leaves Dead Man and John to try and save the world. Help. I just hope he doesn't realize it's me doing the calling. And we get one of the, um, I don't know, more effective summoning spells when you don't have time for an actual summoning spell. Just set Central Park on fire. Swamp Thing will probably show up to wreck everything. Yeah. Of the green swamp thing. Now, I'm not usually a fan of this shtick. Actually, go- going back to uh, identity crisis for a second, that you can just pull the ring off. But if there's anyone that I would believe could, you know, focus his will and pull off a Green Lantern ring, it's probably Batman. And then Zatanna showing up just in time to take down Wonder Woman and Superman in short order before the two of them pull right back. That is terrifying to just be like, what are you doing? Turn around and just Superman's fist is three inches behind your head. There's a little bit of a missed opportunity with the lasso that I, I sort of was hoping it might have been used a little bit, seeing as it's the whole, you know, seeing through illusions and power of absolute truth right. to maybe yep. be able to resist destiny, even if uh, Wonder Woman couldn't use it before, like, did, didn't have that ability before she was all caught up in it. But, again, we're rapidly... Um, moving towards the finale, so putting another player right. into this really beautiful uh, but very long fight sequence. Probably wasn't time for that. 
the so-called guardian of the green who secretly hopes to be human again. Uh, and now we get to delve into a little bit more Alec Holland angst. The guardian of the green who wants again and yeah let's just let's let's just rip that right out of you and by that i mean your body yeah yeah i will say this is pretty horrifying (laughs) (laughs) you made swampy cry i know i really liked that this this sequence because that that is sort of the problem with Swamp Thing is that he is really powerful. How do you get rid of him? And the the answer is his humanity. That's that's pretty sad. Come on, a Trojan. Yay! Yay classical references. <laughs> Again, John's mo: when you don't have a plan, swear at them. Just annoy them. Annoy yep. them to death. Let me see your madness. Like, God, this guy is so pretentious. I shall make you beg for death. Been there, done that. Reference to Ravenscar, where he was in a mental institution for quite a while. See, just this is this is the best thing about John. It's just not not that he can't be intimidated, because he certainly can, but he just has no time for the pretension of most of the other mystical characters. And of course, Trojan Horse had a little stowaway yep. inside of his his flesh bod and brought Boston inside mm-hmm. the shield in order to try and take down Destiny. And coming in the clutch, Jason Blood with a really, really big sword. Merlin sends his regards. Yeah. Oh, and by the way... Merlin sends his regards... By the way, you lose. Like, what a dope line. And John banishes Destiny back from whence he came. Batman blows up the, uh... I don't think so. The Dreamstone. And now we're just left with Regine. And what what shall we do with him? Yeah, he got his arm back. <laughs> well, not for long, cause uh, here come the wraiths to reap him. Yeah. Save me. Yeah. You owe me. Yeah. Begging to John Constantine does literally nothing. Yeah. Trying trying to guilt him into doing the right thing. You owe me. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't work either. <sighs> Time to pay the piper, Richie. This is what happens when you meddle with dark magic. That was unpleasant. What the hell did I miss? <laughs> Z, you're okay. I thought my head feels like the morning after Brixton. <laughs> Surely not that bad. <laughs> Ship for moment five. So- Merlin's I think it counts. I think so. It seems so. I kind of want like a little animated short of oh my gosh, the monkey Sumatra. They're talking about the monkeys, and then what she just what she just mentioned there, just like little adventures with John Constantine and Zatanna. Now we're gonna have to deal with some uh, 
consequences because Jason was stabbed back in the day. Etrigan saved his life, and now that they're no longer connected, no longer has his immortality. It's a welcome end. And this is a it's a very downbeat moment, but it's also really satisfying to for for yeah. Jason save the world, and especially within the context of the plot of this movie, you know, de- defeated the evil that he originally failed to defeat. And at last he can be at peace. He's finished his quest. I know of no man I'd want more for a brother. I really like the concept of Etrigan in some way being redeemed by his connection with Jason Blood. Mm -hmm. That you sort of have the feeling that at the end of this 500 years of the very difficult forced relationship the two of them had, that Etrigan maybe doesn't agree with, but respects Jason and maybe has learned something about honor. Maybe he's going to go on to actually continue being an anti-hero, even though Jason has died. It's interesting. Mm. And like you said, yeah, maybe it's time. And Z finally gets her call to join the big leagues. Uh-oh. Yeah. They want you too. <laughs> Good one, Z. No, no, yeah, and then they invite John too. Uh-huh, sure. You have got to be bloody kidding. No way. Batsy would go mental. He was the one who asked. Even Batman wants John on the team. My dad's theory is that Dead Man may have been involved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We should call him back. Yeah. So he inhabited one of like the founding members. Yeah, probably, probably Batman. Now hold on, hold on. Oh. Maybe I've been a bit rash. Wow, the closest thing to a genuine apology that John will ever give. Yeah, maybe I might have been a little rash. Yeah, a drink. Let's go out drinking. Oh. Don't think this is going to turn into some sort of Manchester weekend. Get that out of your head. God, they're adorable. Yeah. And the house is rebuilding itself. Like. Let's mark that as a maybe. I love this ending so much. Like, yes, there are consequences. Yes, Jason has died. But everyone does have closure. That, you know, Zatanna's being recognized as a member of the League. You know, John has a home and some some people who maybe sort of, weirdly enough, actually care for him. The house is back to normal. And dead man. Yep. So here's my shipper question to you. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Dead Man and Black Orchid slash the house? <laughs> uh, and their relationship? Sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that would I work. Mean, why not? He's, um, a, he's a ghost. Yeah. She's a house. Can I make it any more yeah, obvious? Yeah, it works out. Yeah, sure. Can I make it? Yeah, absolutely. You could make it more obvious, actually. <laughs> um, no, I think. Uh, oh, I think it's nice. I think they're both like misunderstood, obviously, um, and they probably complement each other really well because she seems very like to the point and may not understand certain things, and he's like 
very humorous and over the top, yeah. so maybe they would like even each other out. But I would just like him to be able to find somebody, not necessarily romantically, but just as you were saying how sad it is that he doesn't have a friend. I mean, he just wanders around, and if he's lucky, he has someone like Constantine or Zatanna who can see him. But otherwise, it's like he can't interact with anyone, and how sad yeah. that is. And I, I think that, you know, all of these characters together really do kind of form this weird found family sort of team that, uh, you know, in, in a way they don't really have anybody else. That John's always alone. Zatanna has more friends and more connections, but, you know, Dead Man's on his own. Same thing with Jason. And all of these weirdos sort of find each other. And at the end, you know, it, it, it's something resembling a family where they have a home and they have each other. And I don't know. It just it just makes me feel all sappy and, and good inside. Is uh, because Destiny was destroyed, was Swamp Thing put back together again? Or are we assuming that he's like, really, he's been destroyed? Uh, the way that I take that is you know, to draw on the Alan Moore original comics again, that after this would have to be something sort of like the comic The Anatomy Lesson where Swamp Thing maybe has to go and and meditate for a while and think about who and what he is. Like, well, if I'm not Alec Holland anymore, what am I and what is my purpose and what should I be doing? Um, So I get the feeling that he's not dead, but might have to go be in hibernation and, uh, and deal with some stuff regarding whether or not, you know, whether or not he is a person anymore and what it means to be an avatar of the green and all that sort of thing. So I, mm-hmm. I, I am remaining hopeful that there would be, maybe if they don't, they probably will not make another movie featuring him, but that he could theoretically still show yeah. back up in the, in, in the universe in future. Okay. If they were to make another Justice League dark film, what would you like to see? Hmm... I think I'd like to see them do some sort of like extra planar stuff. And again, I'm going to use another D&D term because John himself talked about the various planes of existence. But I, I'd like them to do some stuff where they either do go to the afterworld, like the afterlife, or to mm-hmm. um, a thing that they did in the comics, which was weird, but in, still sort of interesting, was they went to sort of different I guess, like planes. Like they encountered Oh gosh, what was it? Uh, Amethyst of Gemworld. Oh, and like, yes, like yes. they they went and they went and checked out some weird, um, sort of parallel universe, parallel dimension DC properties, and teamed up with some of those characters uh, in the comic. And I would be interested in doing that, mostly uh, because I would very much like to see what happened in Injustice Two. I believe, uh, had uh, a- an interaction with uh, uh, where John Constantine goes to hell um, to throw down with Trigon. Okay. And shows up, and of course Trigon's 55 feet high, and John's <laughs> just standing there in his trench coat holding an unlit cigarette and says, got a light? <laughs> Which, is, I, I just love that panel, and I'd, I'd sort of like to see throwing down with uh, Trigon or maybe some of the other sort of uh, big, weird, and mystical 
characters. But I thought that mm-hmm. this this movie basically gave me everything that I wanted. Um, I had Swamp Thing and Dead Man and Zatanna. I had Jason. I had tie-ins to Demon Knights. And it, it really sort of hit the spot for me in everything that I was still left wanting in after the brutal cancellation of Constantine and even the ending of the Justice League Dark comic. And for me, I enjoyed seeing characters that I really like, like Zatanna, and learning more about ones that I find interesting, like Boston Brand and Etrigan, and also um, learning more about this facet of DC comics that I'm not really as involved in. So, you know, I went in with just like open mind and I thought, wow, that was really good. Yeah. And so, and and I think what makes it even more wonderful is just, it's so different than the other animated films that they have come out with. And so I think because it's, it's special like that, I hope they continue with that and uh, do it again. Uh, I feel like it'd be awesome to have next time, maybe not have Batman. Though I yeah. do recognize what you're saying as like the sort of the linchpin. I mean, he's got to be there. He's like the catalyst to bring them all together. And also as the comic relief, though you wouldn't expect it, but it'd be nice to sort of develop the team with him away and, and see how much uh, we could see the team grow together. Yeah, absolutely. And by the team, we mean John and Z. Mm-hmm. We want to see more of their relationship. Absolutely. Um I really, really dug their relationship in the comic. And it was one of the few examples of an on-again, off-again relationship that I 100% buy and endorse. And I love it Um, because they are both very unstable people. I sort of like that feeling that most of the magical characters, uh, even if if they are good people like Zatanna, that they – just are sort of forces of chaos that their their lives are complicated and crazy and you know emotions run high and that she and John will just never quite work as a couple mm-hmm. but they're just so like passionately infatuated with each other and so every time they come together it's wonderful and there's sparks and it's you know they care about each other but you know, I think probably every six issues in the entirety of Justice League Dark, either he was doing something dumb and getting kicked out, or he got insecure and left, or she came to her senses and said, "You know, you're a jerk." And it was—they just had a, a a very difficult relationship, but one that I bought. Mm-hmm. I think to go along with you, John is never going to be happy. Like mm-hmm. I, I just—he just doesn't have the emotional maturity or capability really to be a good person in a stable relationship. But having Zatanna, someone who he really does care about and who cares about him is a very good force in his life. Absolutely. And the house does like her better than him. (laughs) Like that's canon. Uh. At at one point um, he does, uh, she dumps him and of course she keeps the house. Oh, and he's, he's crashing on somebody's couch. I don't remember whose. I think he. I think Boston has an apartment somehow, and he's just crashing on Boston's floor for oh my weeks goodness. on end. I can see uh, anyone. I think in that battle, wearing Team Zatanna shirts over Team Constantine. Yeah, it's like after the breakup. See, that's me at all times. I, I love you, and you're my brother, but like <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, final thoughts on this film? Would you recommend it? Would you watch it again? Uh, Well, I have now watched it three times, so I (laughs) will definitely continue to watch it in the future. I do recommend it. If this is in any way sounds vaguely interesting to you mm-hmm. it is it is certainly watch worth a watch um there's lots of interesting character beats um the performances are all solid um there's some things with the voice acting uh, uh, boston's accent mm-hmm. you know De- dead man's accent is just very strange yeah and it takes a while to get used to mm-hmm. so there are a few sort of questionable decisions on like the production side but it is Solidly written, solidly acted, very enjoyable. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think twists and turns, uh, I certainly didn't expect Zatanna going out of control like she did. And the first time I watched it, I didn't expect Richie to be sort of the bad guy that was the vessel for the whole thing. I think if you liked seeing Etrigan and Batman the Animated Series or popping up again in Justice Mm -hmm. League or... Dead Man also popped up in Justice League and he popped up in uh, Brave and the Bold. So if you enjoyed getting to see those characters and you like Zatanna, I think this is something that you should certainly try out. Uh, it is a little bit darker, I think, than... I mean, it's not like capes, basically, as, as you were saying before. It is something that's different, but I think you should keep an open mind and give it a shot because I think it's really worth it and strong writing I just think there are these really wonderful and powerful moments that are um, either really serious and and heavy or light and you're like I didn't expect that or you know a poop monster that's attacking a hospital (laughs) let's never forget never forget the poop monster the poop monster in concept kind of a low point the poop monster in execution like in execution um, actually actually pretty good a pretty yeah. decent threat um, and a really cool character design so yeah and I don't think you know of all the poop to get it, <laughs> probably the hospital is like the worst place to get it yeah for, for sure say. So, for yeah. sure <laughs> Emily, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for all of the input that you had and, like, the history. I learned a great deal about this, and I'm sure that um, my listeners will as well. So thank you for being on. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Where can listeners find you? Uh, So, along with my dad, Prof Prof, a.k.a. um, Professor Cheapskate, a.k.a. Alan Porterbin. Yeah. We do a show together called Shortbox Showcase, which is on the Relatively Geeky Network. Uh, he ha- also has his own sh- solo shows there, as well as um, my pod faded Uncovering the Bronze Age. I also have an exciting secret project. Whoa. I- I'm not sure when this episode is going on. I'm assuming near Halloween? It On Halloween. On Halloween? Okay. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, a promo might be out by then Ooh. Uh, but i'm okay. i'm working i'm working on something and i'm very excited about it it's going to be in our uh our literary niche oh since this will be coming out on halloween i will probably be re-listening to my episode of uncovering the bronze age about frederick wortham and mm-hmm. the comics code um my project will not be attempting to completely recreate that but sort of diving into that audio essay uh, sort of corner that people seem okay. to enjoy quite a bit. So I know that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so hopefully that uh, will be on 
the same network, Relatively Geeky. My dad and I also have a spinoff show uh, where we talk about religion and spirituality and comics and pop culture. Uh, and that is called Dorkness to Light, not from Dorkness to Light, <laughs> just Dorkness to Light. Um, and that can be found on Blogspot, on iTunes, on Tumblr. Uh, and uh, we did an episode, episode 13. Uh, perfect. Unlucky number 13, which was also about Justice League Dark and uh, uh, sort of is my continued uh, further thoughts on Justice League Dark and the DC mystical universe in general. That's great. Yeah, so that'll be a nice little companion piece. They could either listen to that and come over here or listen to this and go over there. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be great. Well, thanks again for coming on. And I hope this is not the last time oh, we get together. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully the floodgates will now yes. open and there will be cross-promotion on everything and guest, guesting on everything. Yes. Yeah, it was great, great talking to you, Stells. Oh, you too. <laughs> uh, well, remember that you can send any questions or comments at gmail.com. You can also find this show on Google Play and Stitcher. Follow it on Twitter at Backworld Oracle and like it on Facebook and follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And of course, support TBU by subscribing to Patreon. Once again, thanks to my High Comics for sponsoring Backworld Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Until next time, stay away from John Constantine. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, do you know the uh, the inside joke that your father's in Sing Sing? Oh yes, I am. I am aware. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to be sure in case I use that for my intro that you're not like caught off guard and wondering what the devil is going on. No, um, I love your uh, your double nomenclature, and I uh, I am in delighted and amazed by E M squared. Yes, that's it. That's that's you. That's that's that that is me. It me. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. Well, let you go again. It was such a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we can find something that we can uh, do. Is something? Is your father there? Oh, he's he's ranting in the background about what? Of it, he's like, forget what was it? Team Shag, Team Team Don. <laughs> who cares? Team M. So. Uh, sure. Yeah, I can get that trending. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Oh. Well, take care. Have a yes, good work absolutely. day tomorrow Be- and next I, weekend. Nice? I'm trying to talk to Stella. Move. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Is he asking me if I was nice or you? He's asking if you if you were mean to me. Were you nice to me? <laughs> I I thought I was. You Yes, yes. She was very nice. Yeah. It, the first time that we meet, I'm not going to say anything. As, as we grow in our friendship, then maybe, you know, I'll start to say stuff. Yeah, who knows? Right right now we're being like polite colleagues. Absolutely.